The Writer's Toolkit is published by Nick Hearn Books. Order direct from the publisher and get 20% off this and other great titles. Visit nickhearnbooks.co.uk Taking you inside the writing rooms of much-loved playwrights and screenwriters, this is the Writer's Toolkit Podcast. Hi, I'm Paul Kalbergi. Welcome to the Writer's Toolkit Podcast. In each episode, I'll be taking you inside the writing rooms of my favourite playwrights and screenwriters to find out more about their writing routines and rituals. While my book, The Writer's Toolkit, looks at the craft of writing, this podcast is all about practice and process. Celebrated writers sharing tips from their daily writing practices. I'll be finding out how they like to work and what a successful writing session looks like for them. So less about craft, more about the journey. Coming up. On today's episode, I'm talking to Diane Samuels, the playwright behind the hugely successful Kinder Transport, which enjoyed a fantastic run in London's West End and played off-Broadway. What I really love about Diane is her playful approach to playwriting and how she allows herself to be in the moment with her words and be scrappy and messy and doesn't think about final drafts or the road to production. She lets her work exist as a living, breathing thing before trying to craft and tame it. And anyone who's had the privilege, as I have, of attending one of Diane's workshops will know exactly what I'm talking about. Diane offers a completely unique approach to playwriting that I'll be forever grateful for being introduced to. And finally, we talk about her move away from theatre in a surprising new direction. It was engaged with other people, which I really loved, but it was actually my own solo writing journey at the same time, which I think is, for me, I love the balance between, you know, being really with myself and being alone, but also being in connection with others. So in, in a creative way. The Writer's Toolkit Podcast with Paul Kalbergi. Diane Samuels is perhaps best known for her award-winning play Kinder Transport, which tells the story of a young German-Jewish girl transported to England from Nazi-occupied Europe just before the outbreak of the Second World War. Anchored by the mother-daughter relationship at the heart of the piece, Diane's beautifully confronting play explores themes of trauma, loss and identity. Winner of the Verity Bargate Award in 1992 and the Mayor Whitworth Award the following year, Kinder Transport was first produced in London by Soho Theatre in 1993 and later in New York in an off-Broadway production by Manhattan Theatre Club. The play has since enjoyed several notable revivals, not least the 1996 Watford Palace production, which transferred to the Vaudeville Theatre in London's West End. Without doubt a modern classic, Kinder Transport is now a set text for English literature students and continues to be performed all over the world. Diane's more recent work includes the book for the musical The A to Z of Mrs. P, a collaboration with Gwyneth Herbert, which premiered at the Southwark Playhouse in 2014. 2016 saw her return to the Palace Theatre with Poppy and George, and in 2018 her monologue This Is Me, an interactive memoir, was produced by Chicken Shed Theatre. Diane's numerous BBC radio plays include Swine, Dr. Y, Watch Out for Mr. Stork, Hen Party, Tiger Wings and Psyche. Wow, Diane, welcome. It's lovely to be here. Um, It's lovely to see you on the other side of the world. It's fantastic. Oh, so lovely. It's great to catch up. And we should probably say that we first met in 2011. Yeah. Um, I was producing the TV show Stage Talk and we interviewed you for our Meet the Playwright segment. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, 
two years later in uh, 2013, I went to Regents University to study my master's. Mm. And it was such a thrill to find that you were one of the visiting lecturers. Mm. And I would be um, fortunate enough to have you as one of my mentors. Oh, you're a star student. Oh, bless yeah, you. Yeah, you so were. Thank you. I loved doing your uh, mentoring your piece. It was such a joy to work and give you notes. You know, you were so on it. Oh, I well, I loved every minute of it. It yeah, it was great. It was it was it was a good time, and you know, Dan, it was it was very often um, your workshops actually that were most inspiring to me. Um, so different and so playful in a way that I'd never experienced before. Mm. A very different approach to writing, and I guess that's what I really want to try and um, you know unpick a little today and dive into. Mm. I guess we can't really talk about process and practice without first acknowledging the last eighteen months. Yeah, obviously a difficult time for everyone. One. And, you know, some writers I've spoken to have struggled to kind of muster any any creativity mm. during all of this, while others have really been able to use the time to sit down and work on some passion projects and spec scripts that they've not been able to get to, um, you know, for being busy with, with other projects. Yeah. How has it been for you kind of, you know, creatively stifling or, or liberating? I found it very liberating. I really? liked I, listen, I'm a writer. Writers like being on their own quietly in their space. Yeah, absolutely. Indoors, don't they? So <laughs> it's not like it's um, it, it's taken anything away. And actually it took away distractions, you know, like really? I would go out a lot. You know, living in London, it's so hard to resist the incredible range of yeah. theatre, you know, yeah, film, yeah, yeah. dance, and live music, particularly. We, you know, I was going out most nights of the week. Um, I was teaching one day a week yeah. in a primary school, um, teaching creative writing, which I loved working with the children. All it stopped. And so it was me going out for a walk every day, going out on my bicycle, exploring London, amazing, with no traffic anywhere, no people anywhere in the centre, just weird? cycling around. It was absolutely incredible. You know, middle of the day, I cycled down New Bond Street with no one there. And it was wow. just glorious, to be honest. I can't imagine so, it, can you? London being so empty like that. It, I know. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine now. You know, when it was happening, I was thinking, I must relish this. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because this is this will probably not go on forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did struggle at the beginning. Mm. Eventually, I got into um, using the time to sit down to some spec scripts and you know, passion projects that I hadn't been able to give time to. But yeah. I did struggle at the beginning. And partly just because of the saturation, the oversaturation of news coverage, which yeah. I was consuming, you know, around the clock. Um, I've changed all of that now and literally cut out and I get my headlines on the morning. Um, and then not again until the next day. And yeah. other than that, it's podcasts, music and, and comedy, really. But thankfully, at the beginning of the year, I'd already started a kind of New Year's resolution where mm. I would go to my writing room first thing on the morning, sit down at one of my typewriters and write a six word story um, in the spirit of flash fiction, just straight off the top of my head, which, you know, didn't need to be good enough, didn't need to be anything remarkable, just to basically, well, the idea was, this was pre-COVID, the idea was to kick off every writing session with, um, you know, having achieved a small victory on the page and thinking, whatever happens in today's session, mm. I've written a short story that didn't exist before I sat down and it was a, a real positive way to start my writing day. Mm. Um, so when all of this happened, already having that 
kind of um that kind of thing set up mm. was mm. a reason to have to go into my room every day because I didn't want to break my new year's resolution and the plan was at the end of the year to have you know 365 original six word stories mm. that weren't you know to share with anybody they were for nobody else's eyes yeah. uh, you know complete rubbish the majority of them but it was something that I was doing for myself so I was glad that I yeah. put that in place at the beginning of the year because it meant that I then had something yeah. throughout you know what was a very strange 2020 to um you know to make sure that, that yeah. I wrote something every day. Yeah. Well, I, I had a hysterectomy a few months ago and I don't know why it was then that I started, but I decided to do a haiku every day. Oh, wow. So I do a oh, haiku great. every day. It's a similar practice yeah. to that. Yeah, I think oh, that's these, good. That's a good one. It's, there's something about um, practices in form as well yeah. as, as yeah. just free flow. Absolutely. You want both, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, it is, yes. Yeah, so I've been doing, and you're right. I've now got pages of haikus. I only started in April, <laughs> but you know, up. some days I've actually gone over and above and done two. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, if you're feeling it, why stop? But yeah. you know, it. And I go when I'm out cycling. I'm practicing the haikus and I'm practicing mm. the syllable mm. structure. Yeah. So I start to go around on my walk or on my cycle ride, counting syllables of. You know, like I, I see a, a, a man in a carrying a red handbag, and I go, "Man, man with, with red, red. Ha- man with red handbag." Oh yes, <laughs> man with Brilliant. red handbag. That's the first line. Oh, I love that, Diane. Hey, if inspiration strikes, you know, it's like found I think poetry. anything that makes me more visually observant is a good thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> I can be a bit in my own dream world and not actually looking carefully at the world around me enough. So I kind of wanted this podcast to be a little bit of a, a window into the world of some of my favorite writers' lives and not just what you write and how you write, but also where you write and your writing environment. So I'd love it if you could just paint a bit of a picture of your writing space. Um, well, um, I, have a, I have a very beautiful home that I've created over the years um, and um, I have a kitchen. It used to be a shop. Oh, wow. my, I'm telling you about my whole home because mm. my writing process um, takes place in different parts of it. Okay. So the house is, was built probably at the beginning of the 20th century, right beginning of the 20th yeah. century. It's in London. It's not far from the Holloway Road, North London. Uh-huh. So it, it's in quite a gritty urban part of the city. Uh, fortunately, there's parklands and lots of different parklands yeah. and greenery not far away. I'm in my office, which is on the first floor and looks out over all the back gardens. Oh, lovely. Of the little of the houses nice. in yeah, the neighborhood. Yeah. So I have a view with actually a view, not of buildings, but yeah. I can actually kind of loads of trees and I can actually see into the city from oh. higher up in the house. Oh, lovely. And so what does a typical writing day look like for you when you're working at home, Diane? Every morning, what I do, and I think this is as much part of my writing as anything, is I get up and Mm. I meditate for about half an hour. And I do a standing meditation with my eyes open. And I, it's called tree meditation with my arms like this. And I look out over the view. In the summer, I sometimes go in the back garden when I don't get the view, but I'm outside. Then I do Qigong, um, a Qigong practice called the Eight Brigades of Silk. And it's kind of very much centering and there's a lot of tuning into the core, into the hara in the belly and the heart. Mm. And so I'm grounding and rooting Mm. in a sense of presence and mindfulness and that this is absolutely crucial um, 
to everything, yeah. to my yeah. life and to my creative life. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So important. Obviously, as, you, as you've as you read in the, in the book, um, I talk about mindful meditation and I include three um, audio recordings of mindful meditations for writers to try in their own practice. Yeah. And that really came from um, a yin-style yoga class that I started attending um, when I was living in Texas. Okay, I'd go every Sunday and I just found it so incredibly um, cleansing of, yeah. of the mind and kind of energizing for the week ahead and then I thought actually how can I let me see how I can incorporate elements of this practice um into my writing sessions and and that's how that came about really um and then I you know started to kind of elaborate on that and I would you know set the scene um with you know candles and um you know soothing music and then I would kind of use white sage to or I do use white sage to kind of cleanse my you know writing space of um any kind of negative energy and just to invite you know positivity for a successful writing session into the space um you know i use things like lavender oil on a towel um at the end of a session for shavasana um thanking myself for the work that i've achieved in the Mm -hmm. session um and you know trying at at all costs especially at the moment to remain um you know positive um of, of mind body and soul it sounds beautiful Okay, so back to your routine. Yeah. You've started your day with yoga and meditation. Uh, and then I'll have breakfast and then I'll do some physical thing. You, I'll go for a walk or I'll go for a cycle. And I, oh, the other lockdown thing that I discovered was the joys of cycling for kind of leisure, pleasure, rather than just right. going places. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say the physical practice is as much part of the writing again as anything. Yeah. So about an hour and a half, I go out for wow. a walk or a cycle ride. And I sort of cycle around Regent's Park and I do oh, kind beautiful. of circles on going. So you can see there's a lot of repetition. Yeah. There's a lot of being in motion for no purpose. Mm. So the other thing I've discovered is um, aimless action. So right. I think the core to really profoundly being connected to life is not having any aims. So being aimless and actually going, well, where I'm going out and I have no purpose. I'm just going out to go out and yeah, see, what, see happens. what happens. And then I come back and then I do a dance in my kitchen. Okay. I put on some music and I dance to be in my body. Fabulous. So you can see how there's a lot of being in the body and yeah. being in the physicality because right. writing can get very mindy and static. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I need to be physically Bring connecting out physical motion yeah. and in the world, in the elements and then I do my writing practice in the kitchen usually. And then I'll go up to my office where my computer is that I'm talking to you on. And that's where I'll sit and kind of process and craft things and yeah. do business. And so that's my afternoon, really. So whenever I sit down to write, there are certain things that I always kind of have to mm. have around me. And the first thing is a candle. Mm. Um, regardless of the time of day, I like to have kind of that light energy in the space, that little flicker, something animated in otherwise, you know, a very still and kind of insular environment. Mm. So I have to light a candle. And then I also have to have a mug of usually coffee. I think something about writing and coffee that seem to go hand in hand. So I'll always have a, a mug of black coffee um, when I'm writing. How is that for you, Diane? Do you have any rituals that you observe when you sit down to write? Um, I used to have a candle on my desk as well. um, And I still do sometimes, but then um, my ceiling started to get kind of smoky (laughs) (laughs) film on it. So I I thought, oh, I don't, you know, so I'm a bit more sparing with my candle on my desk, uh, although I do like it. Um, 
but I, I always have a candle. There's something also about fire energy mm. that's at the heart of, mm, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a create the creative spark, the creative, yeah. the active medium. It's it, again, it's trans, it's an alchemical thing, you know, you need that. So, um, yeah, I do light candle. I always have tea. I have mugs of tea, yeah. big mugs of tea. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a point in the afternoon when I go and get myself a plate of fruit yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Or something. Yeah. Snacking um, is important. Yeah. Yes, there's the eat, there's the eating and drinking seems to be quite, <laughs> um, part of the ritual process. Yeah. For you sure. get very habitual with things. I'm also one for breaking up um rituals oh really so, yeah there's a, a kind of practice called not doing okay which means that you do things <laughs> the way you don't normally do them right, or that you've right. never done them before okay. as a kind of you go you start each day and you go okay this is the way i walk to so and so now i go oh, another direction so okay change things up yeah yeah so yeah it's the same with your candle and tea yeah yeah lots of tea absolutely Something else that I'll do, just thinking about music as well in the writing space, is create project-specific playlists in Spotify. Oh, wow. Just to kind of add another level of um, immersiveness yeah. to my writing experience. So if I'm, for instance, writing I'm writing a piece right now that's kind of um, set in the Arctic Circle, it's kind of oh, Finnish kind of Sami um, sounds that I want to kind of hear um, as kind of ambiance and kind of brilliant. underscoring. So very often having a playlist, you know, specific to each project really helps. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'm um, instrumental coffee house jazz kind of that's my my white noise of choice. Uh, how how about you? I do listen to some baroque music. Um, I do quite a lot of jazz. Yeah. I like writing to yeah. jazz mostly. Yeah. But then, like one of my most recent plays is called Waltz with Me, and there's loads of waltzes in it oh fantastic um, so yeah but they're in the play as well right. so often with it doesn't just create a background it becomes part of the work. yeah it's inherent to the work I, I do find um silence can be a big distractor for me and for that reason i do work very well in coffee shops i'm actually sometimes much more productive um in a, in a public space do you have anywhere outside of your writing space at home that you like to work do you know not really i like being at home i i always feel a bit uncomfortable in cafes i tell you why not because i don't like them but because i think it's if you're sitting there hogging a table, I know, I know there's, it's a, like a common modern thing that you go and you sit in, at a table and you have like two coffees in the course of about seven hours. Guilty. But I do think as a punter who's been in cafes and looked and thought, well, I want a fucking table to yeah. sit and ha actually buy some, have a coffee with my friend and you're sitting there on your own. So I do feel aware of that, yeah. I have to say, although I do like doing it every now and then. Yeah. So I, I has a bit of a tension in that one for right. me. Because um, <laughs> I do think it's, yeah. Well, there's something about being on a show, isn't there? I mean, I, I think if I have an audience, I tend to have <laughs> feel the pressure to, uh, I, better, I better do some writing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, wherever. Um, I, my ex-husband has a beautiful um, place in St. Ives in Cornwall, and I love going down there and yeah. just staying there. And I can yeah. write there, and I often end up completing things there. So right. I went in May, and it was my first time really out of London for over a yeah. week for for you know since early 2019 probably since the end of 2018 and um oh it was brilliant yeah. and I, you know go for away. a walk by the sea and go for a swim yeah, yeah before yeah. going back to write 
So oh, lovely. the whole place is just conducive. So I yeah. think that's another thing I, I've done, I do is, um, and if his place isn't available, I rent somewhere. I go out into the countryside somewhere and just go on my own for a week every now and then. Yeah. Well, kind of once a year at least if I can. Yeah, I do think that's so important. I actually just got back from um, mm. about three or four days at a friend's cabin by the sea and I'd mm. taken enough food for the four days so I didn't have to leave the place at all and I could just think about writing without being mm. aware of you know having to stop to pick the kids up from school um, feed the dogs all the things that kind of take you out of that zone mm. once you get into it mm. um, so that that was fantastic yeah it's just you go into your own rhythm entirely oh, and completely the rhythm of the work yeah, let it lead yeah. you and Oh, I do like writing on trains. Really? Yeah, I do. Maybe the momentum, perhaps. Yeah, I like that. Um, that is something, if I go on a journey or a plane, I'm quite happy to... I put on my headphones and I have my music yeah. and I do my writing practice. What does that? What does your daily practice look like? Um, you know, we're not always talking about project work here. Um, you know, in terms of the discipline of sitting down, you know, to write, to be a writer, mm. what does your daily practice look like? I have a writing practice, which I've been doing for years, where I, um, it's called a write. Yeah. Uh, and it's based on, um, it's a book called Writing the Mind Alive. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's the Linda Tritcher Metcalf exactly. book. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And um, she models this proprioceptive writing. Mm. The premise is if you are going to write anything to give to anyone else, you need to yeah. listen to yourself properly first. So you need to be in deep listening to self before you can find what it is you want to say that is then worth saying because it's deeply authentic to someone else. And anyway, why should anyone else listen to you if you won't listen to yourself? Yeah. You know, you need yeah. to listen to yourself. It's kind of back to self-love, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And in a way, it's more focused than love. It's listening. So it's hearing yourself. So it's a very specific aspect, if you like, of self-love. I think that's a lovely point about self-love. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking for anyone who hasn't perhaps read the book or isn't familiar with Linda's techniques, what what is your practice day to day? What what does that look like in reality when you sit down to write? My writing practice is basically writing for 25 minutes to um it's kind of I do all different kinds of writing. In the book she recommends slow movement baroque mm. music. And you're not writing to the music, it's creating an environment for writing because yeah. Uh, slow movement baroque music pulses at the same rhythm as the heart so you're you're kind of tuning on onto another wavelength and you just write without stopping so it's the same stuff as free pages from yeah. the artist as right as morning artist pages way. from yeah. the uh, artist way but it's deeper because you inquire as you write right so you as soon as you write something that resonates you ask yourself, what do I mean by? And then you actually write it down. What do I mean by? And then you write down the thing you've just written yeah. and you explore it. So it's a form of, if you like, inquiring meditative mm. daily practice or mm. practice. You don't have to do it daily. I do. Um, and I would just sit down and take the word and let the word lead me on this adventure mm. each morning. And I would do it again the next day. And yeah. maybe something that came up the previous day, I'd pick up and go deeper yeah, into that yeah, so it's like that. going down paths that lead you to paths that lead you to paths and then I would just type the whole thing up without editing okay yeah so that I've got all I call it raw writing yeah and then I would just 
see what it was telling me. So it's what's right. the writing telling me, yeah. not what I want to tell any tell the yeah. writing. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. So it's a kind of receptive, um, intuitive, curious way of writing and staying in that curiosity yeah. um, and not going yet with the temptation to craft and shape until yeah. the writing reveals to you what the writing wants to be. And then you help it become mm, it mm. by crafting it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's a bit like, you know, what um, you've gathered all your clay or you've gathered your rocks, or you've gathered your material, yeah. if you like, your raw material, and then you let it reveal to you mm. and you get rid of the excess. Gosh. So it's like Michelangelo's thing of marble, that the sculpture's already within the marble. You just, all you're doing is releasing it and getting yeah. rid of what's not needed. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess as with morning pages or any practice like that, it's about making that commitment to yourself yeah. and to your writing practice. And you can get so much out of yeah. those kind of moments of mindfulness in the morning before a writing session, whether it's for, you know, for stage or screen or otherwise. Yeah. I've been moving away from theatre writing for a while. Okay. So it kind of enabled me to commit more deeply to mm. the kind of organic processes I'm now working with in creating writing. Right. And um, I had a, a, an adventure. I had. Oh. A, uh, shall I tell you about the adventure? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm intrigued. Why don't we take a very quick break, first of all? Yeah. And then when we come back, let's talk about your new work and this very intriguing adventure. Brilliant. More from the Writer's Toolkit after these messages. Hey there, Mark Sanderson here, author of A Screenwriter's Journey to Success with my script tip for today. Do not put all of your hopes and dreams into one project and live with the pressure that it has to launch your career or sell. Success in Hollywood is a numbers game at best, and you always have to have multiple projects in the marketplace at all times for any shot at success. Welcome back to the Writer's Toolkit podcast. Diane, we were just talking about proprioceptive writing and the book Writing the Mind Alive, um, your move away from theatre and how your daily practice led you on a very exciting adventure. Tell us more. When did this all start? It kind of starts around Christmas 2019, around that December 2019. And um, a woman I'd mentored for quite a long time, uh, a number of years before, suddenly sent me an email. And she said... Um, in the email, she kind of caught up with me, but mm. she said part of what had prompted her was that she'd seen, um, uh, she found out about a talk that was mm. going on uh, in central London in at the end of February on the leap day, the right. 29th, which has a kind of magic yeah, about yeah. it, doesn't yeah, it? The yeah, 20, that extra day that mm. we get every four mm. years. And she said she'd booked to go to this talk and she thought I'd be interested. And I wrote back and said, funnily enough, I booked it oh, a week wow. ago. So I'd already booked it. She'd booked it. We kind of booked it at the same time and she'd been moved to continent. So it was already getting synchronistic, yeah. and which I always trust with mm, making mm, any uh, creative work. I don't know if you have yeah. this. I think quite a few artists and writers do when things ring and resonate and things happen that yeah, connect. Yeah. You always follow them or trust them. You know, they give you an indicator that you're tuning in. Yeah. So I thought, okay, uh, I said, let's meet. So uh, should we meet at the thing? So she said, yeah, let's meet. We accidentally put on each other's coats to go home and realized we had exactly the same coat. <laughs> no same way. Same make, the same color, the same brand. So it's wow. like, what's going on? We're like in tune mm. here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. as we were, you know, all these yeah. synchronistic things going on, as we were walking away at the end of the day, we were about to part. I just suddenly said to her, look, would you like to open up some kind of creative dialogue? Yeah. She said, what? I said, well, it's just, 
I'm really big on practice and practice is what I kind of facilitate and teach mm, to people yeah, in yeah, groups yeah. and individually. And I, I said, well, why don't we complement each other's practice? So she said, well, what? And I said, I have this thing, you, you've you experienced it when I run workshops. Yeah. I always get people to give a random word mm, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that thing? I may have borrowed that once or twice in my own workshops. Yeah, <laughs> And it's just to get people sparking in the moment, being alive in the moment, yeah. not worrying about what they're saying, allowing whatever pops out to pop out, not having to think about it. Yeah. I always say, don't think about yeah. it, don't think. So I said, why don't we take turns and one of us send a word to the other, say at a weekend, and then we spend the week sitting with the word and play with it and see what writing emerges. And then the following weekend, we just share what we both come up with, like see if there's connections or differences or what it's mm. released for each of us. And then the other person sends the word for the following week. And she said, yeah, I'd love to do that. So this mm. is 29th of February, remember, yeah, when everything's yeah, yeah. brewing and getting starting to intensify. And... Um, she then went to see her parents in Bath, who are elderly, and she ended up staying with them. And we did this dialogue with these mm. random words. And we started just writing a few jottings, and they started to become more and more in-depth as we went along. <laughs> I think her first word was power. She came up with the word power. And then uh, you know, yeah, and, yeah, and, but yeah. it could be any word. I mean, there's so much to choose from. It can kind of overwhelm mm. you, but you just let one pop up. And I think at one point I came up with the word potato. <laughs> we spent the week with the word potato. Uh, but you, you weren't know. trying to seek out um, a story or a narrative or a dialogue or anything no, at this point. No, no, it was literally yeah, whatever right. emerges. Um, so my way of working is I really stay mm. in the raw free flow very organically mm. for a while. So... I don't craft um, yeah. for a bit. So and 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 then in July, Emma went back to France and she said, look, I, I can't do this anymore. And I was like, oh, no, I'm really getting into it. And right. it, my pieces were getting more and more. It was getting more and more evolved. So I developed the project further. Brilliant. And I invited friends and colleagues. Each one, I said, for just for one word for one week. So I'd get different word. We also found, Emma and I, we found that the word we were given took us somewhere more exciting. Yeah. In a way, we found it much more stimulating. Being given the and, word. And took us to places we wouldn't have necessarily gone than the word we, we, we yeah. chose, even though we were choosing it spontaneously. Something about being given a yeah. word made you go, wow, you know, you've got to meet Definitely. something that's like outside your comfort zone. So I... I invited, you know, colleagues, friends, family members, and I said, would you for one week be prepared to give me a word? And would you receive whatever I've created at the end of it? And if you want to explore the word too, you're very welcome, because some of them were mm. creative, some not. And I got quite a few of them to agree. So for about three or four more months, every week, wow. I did a different person's How word. Brilliant. And then it started to really evolve, because I would, I found I would you know, kind of raw write it for about three days. And then I shaped them. And these pieces started to turn into these, some of them 5,000 words short wow. stories, you know. Mm. And um, by the end of the year, I had about 40 Gosh. pieces, you wow, know, well done. more than enough. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I loved doing it and people love receiving them. It was yeah. joyous and just so it was engaged with other people, which I really loved, but mm. it was actually my own solo writing journey at the same time, which I think is, for me, I love the balance yeah. between, yeah. 
you know, being really with myself and being alone, but also being in connection with others. Mm. Well, what's fascinating to me there is how you resist the urge to think about what it might become, to think about, you know, the the bigger picture and what you're going to do with that story. And um, it's, you know, it's the temptation to dig in and start to craft and edit would, would probably be too much for me. So that speaks a lot to your discipline and also to the playful nature um, of uh, the way that you work and your, your free flow. Fantastic. We, we we agreed that we'd allow ourselves to be messy. You know, we weren't yeah. proving anything to each other. We were curious to see what was emerging and we wanted to look at the rawness to pick things up. Yeah. Because often when you polish things, you know, it's in the gaps and the crevices that you might pick up what someone's really needing to say mm. or what's really interesting or what's really you know, juicy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you start, you don't kind of hone it into shape. So we didn't really hone it that much for each other. We just sent whatever splurge. Yeah. We splur yeah, we, we shared splurges, really. <laughs> um and, and and you might shape it a little bit, but we wanted to keep it raw. Yeah. And that thing of and I find this in my writing groups, I think the way it's often taught and the way writing is taught in schools is that you think about it. And I, I just think and you're not allowed the raw, playful, messy bit enough. Yeah, yeah. So I think you need to have that for mm. as for as much time as it needs to be. You did. Gosh, and at the end, you had 40 stories. That's brilliant. It was fantastic. I'm currently compiling it, and it's a, becoming a book called 27 oh, wow. Words. I've Gosh. chosen 27 of them, of the pieces. And Gosh, the words how exciting. Are, Go, yeah, tell us about like the words. Some of the words I got given, honestly, I made a deal with them and myself that I would go with whatever mm. word I was given, that I yeah, would yeah, yeah. not go, oh, I can't do that. Mm. You know, so, so I was given words like liminal, which is right. such a complex <laughs> word. I was given, um, like, I was given mirror, which was brilliant. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was given, uh, like one of my sons gave me augmented, right. you know, like, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck do I do with this? I'm going to spend a week with augmented, but the story comes. Yeah. If you really sit with it in a free flow yeah, way, yeah, you let yeah. it, and a, a wonderful story came. Gosh. Wow. So your next work isn't going to be a work for stage. It's a work of published literature. How fabulous. I mean, I, I, I have, over the year, the last few years, gone through a huge change. I mean, I, I don't have an agent, agent anymore. Yeah. People say to me, Who, who's publishing it? I go, I don't mm. know. Yeah. I'll find out. <laughs> and, you know, when I, when I make work for years, I've made it because it's needed to come through yeah. and be made. Yeah. And so I'm venturing now into the world of literature, but not in, the, in, in my own way. So, you know, what, what kind of book is 27 Words? It's not just a collection of short stories. You know, mm. it's it's kind of as there's always in my writing. There's this thing which is an encouragement to live a creative life to the reader as well as. So I'm kind of saying to the reader with this book, what if you sit with any word that pops up for you and yeah. see where it takes you? Wow. And I've prefaced it with a forward about my process. Yeah. What I'm really excited about, I, I, I really believe that in every reader is a writer, you know, mm. and I want them to find that bit of them coming into play when they read. Oh, what's so lovely there, Diane, is that the whole concept of the book there mm. is built around 
the principles of your workshops. Yeah, you know that that playful、um, way to start off your sessions with asking people to give you a, a word. You've taken that concept and you know built something beautiful around it that speaks to your approach in the classroom. Thank you. Maybe that's a nice way to segue into your writing workshops. Tell us about your current offerings. Uh, well, uh, yes, that's one of the things I didn't mention about.、Um... Things taking new turns when、uh, lockdown occurred.、Mm. I started. I was running my, all my writing workshops in person, yeah, and went straight onto Zoom, right. And、uh, it's gone very well.、Oh, What's、fantastic. amazing is I run a writers group on Monday evenings、hmm. for people to, in a sense,、um, you know, exercise their creative muscles yeah. Yeah. alongside other people. They're playful spaces, so it's not about product. It's all about exploring in the moment what comes up, playing yeah. with words,、yeah. playing with words from other people, exchanging, sharing in a very、um, generous. Warm way and being absolutely free not to worry about having to produce anything or be any good. Yeah, it's really nourishing. It's about nourishing、yeah. you as an、yeah. artist and sparking you creatively. Oh well, I can of course attest to just how inspiring your workshops are. So that's Monday evenings UK time. Yeah, brilliant. And then tell us about your meditation workshops that work around the lunar calendar. They sound really interesting. Well, I've been doing a wheel of the year workshops with an energy. Healer Ursula Barbieri, and we've run meditation, combined meditation writing at, at key points in the natural cycles.、So、we started at the autumn equinox. Oh, I love、uh, that! And I must join you one day. It's been brilliant. We did the solst- winter solstice,、oh, wow. Samhain, which is like Halloween time,、mm. um, Beltane, Imbolc, all these、oh, old.、Gosh. Pagan yeah, moments yeah, yeah. in the year that have all got transmuted into different、yeah. religious festivals. Oh, Diane! As always, so inspiring.、Um, I'd include links to all of your、um, workshops and online classes in the show notes for anyone who wants to join you. Thank you.、Um, I just know, having attended so many myself, how inspiring they are, and how much、um, having sessions like that can contribute towards finding balance and living a healthy, creative life. I, I think my theory about being creative is、mm. this: is that it's all about the life you live. So it's. I remember someone saying to me quite early on when I was playwriting, and yeah, you want to make your mark in the world. You want your work to go out there. You know all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Um, and so, and someone said to me, someone older said, "Do you want a career or a life as a writer?"、Mm. And I, I just said, "I want a writing life."、Wow. You know, and the、yeah. career is only a part of that, yeah, and yeah. it's not the point. It's an expression of it. And、um, mm. so, for me, it, it's a bit like if you're, a, you know, that you have your your orchards, your garden, your whatever, and、yeah. you need to tend it, and you spend most of your time planting, seeding, weeding, growing, and that's actually what your life is. Yeah, and then yeah. you take your fruit to market as well. But you wouldn't have any fruit to take to market,、no. and as you know.、Um, I think more organic, sustainable farming methods prove:、um, the more you nurture and nourish the land and take、yeah. care of it, it gives you good. If you all you're concerned about is high output and produce, you're going to start making tasteless tomatoes. Do you know、mm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. What you want is nice, juicy. Yeah. You know, I, I think I'm a bit more of a kind of cottage gardener than a. <laughs> 
you know, a big industrial gardener, yeah, yeah. I, agriculturalist. I think that's, oh, I think that's the quality that's of life. I love I that. Yeah, because it's all and about that, time. Yeah. It's time with your hands in the soil. It's time yeah. in the potting shed, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes as writers, I think we often feel the need to be prolific mm. um, and a pressure to deliver, to have stuff on, mm. you know. Um, we forget about the journey sometimes. We're, mm. we're too busy looking at, um, mm. you know, other people's lives on social media mm. and thinking, gosh, you know, why isn't my work on stage? I'm not mm. being produced enough. It's that fear of mm. missing out um, rather than enjoying the journey. Yeah. Okay, final scene. Just a few questions to close with while the credits roll. Yeah. What are you reading now and next? Uh, I'm currently reading Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, which I'm really enjoying. And kind of next is to carry on with the George Saunders book, which is about short stories, which is absolutely brilliant. What's the one production that you missed that you really wish you'd seen? Midsummer Night's Dream by Peter Brook. I was too young. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little girl. Diane, who would be your dream collaborator? Well, I don't know their name, but it would be a wonderful publisher. Right, okay. <laughs> and they're looking for a book called 27, 27 Words. words. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. What's that forgotten gem, that play that you feel like you're the only person in the world who's seen that deserves a bigger audience? Um, well, the thing that comes to mind is something that I don't think anyone could get hold of, and it probably did have a reputation. But it's called Illuminatus by Ken huh? Campbell. It, it was an amazing production I saw, and it was some of it's complete. It's a complete mad shambles. Mm. But it, it was the production that was so amazing that I saw um, in a tiny kind of attic room on the same street where the cavern was, oh, you know, wow. the Beatles' cavern yeah, in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it went on all day. Wow. There were five plays in it and they got more Gosh. and more kind of dishevelled and ridiculous <laughs> and messy and unre- under-rehearsed and not yeah. even rehearsed by the end. But oh, they were completely wow. wacky and out there and cosmic and bonkers and funny and... Oh, brilliant. Just a riot. Diane, if you would, please leave us with your top tip for maintaining a healthy writing practice. Show up. Show up. Every day, show up and just do it. That's as simple as it gets, isn't it? Sit in the chair and write. Yeah. And dance. Of course. Dance first, dance during, dance. Show up, do it, dance and write. (laughs) Show up, dance, write, repeat. I love it. Diane, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to catch up and to take a deep dive into your wisdom and the spiritualism that surrounds your writing practice um continuously inspiring diane um thank you for your time and you paul take care take care bye oh so lovely to catch up with diane and be able to share with you her completely original approach to writing and her daily writing practices of course you can find links to her workshops her books and the daily writing prompts that she shares on social media in the show notes below Next time on the Writer's Toolkit podcast. Born and raised in Hollywood, I'm talking to a writer who's living out his childhood dreams of making movies. The one producer turned the tables on us and he cut us off. You know, he's, no, this is this is all BS. You know, your pitch is, is, is fake. It's fake. And we're looking at each other and we're like, is this guy kidding? Mark Sanderson is the author of A Screenwriter's Journey to Success, a brilliant book in which he charts his amazing career, sharing the kind of practical advice you can only get from someone with Mark's experience. 
making the journey to success and life in the writing trenches seem a little less lonely. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Paul Kalbergi, and you'll find links for everything mentioned in this episode in the show notes below too. Until next time, stay inspired. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Writer's Toolkit podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review and share the link with your friends. This podcast is fueled by coffee. If you'd like to support the show, you'll find the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes.